Whether you're an aspiring music business professional or a seasoned vet, every Thursday, the Music Business Podcast brings you the trends and tactics from some of the world's most innovative minds in music. I'm artist manager and consultant, Jordan Williams. And I'm Sam Heisel, co-founder of the music marketing and content production agency, Knox. We're not teachers. We're entertainment industry professionals, drinkers, wannabe comedians, and most importantly, fans. Welcome to the show. What's up, everybody? It's Jordan here for the Music Business Podcast. Today, we have a very special guest, Alexander Fruchter, aka DJ RTC. He's the co-founder of Closed Sessions. For those who don't know, Closed Sessions is a record label that's based in Chicago, Illinois, that was actually born out of the blog era in 2009. So today, we get into a whole lot about the blog era. I don't know if you guys know this, but I actually had my own blog you know, in 2010 because I used to make music and nobody would post my blogs. And one of the things that I really miss about it that we get into today is community. So you know, him being the founder of an influential label during that time and to today, he has a unique perspective because not only was he the founder of the label that started during the blog era, but he actually was a writer. He's the founder of Ruby Hornet. So today we get into community, how it deferred in the days of the blog era, what people can learn from the blog era to today to build their own communities, how the blog era can still reverberate to marketing tactics that people utilize today and more. Overall, my favorite parts about this episode is that I get to do a super deep dive into an era that I really miss. So, um, you know, I consider Alex an OG of that era. I listened to a lot of artists that he worked with back then, Freddie Gibbs, Raekwon, um, and the artists that he works with today, including Jamila Woods. So, um, again, really excited for everybody to hear it. Really excited for everybody, especially people who haven't, who weren't around or didn't, didn't really weren't really involved in the blog era too much, just what it was like, just what the energy was like. You know, how can we bring that back to 2021 in the 2020 way? What does that look like? How can we utilize communities to to support artists and mobilize them in the same way that they used to, you know? So excited for everybody to hear it. Um, without any further ado, let's get into it. Alex, man, thanks for thanks for virtually coming out. Man, thanks for having me. I'm excited. Um, I, I like I like the the toys you have in the background there. <laughs> like, yeah, those yeah. are like pretty OG back there. <laughs> yeah, you know, my wife calls them toys. I like to call them collectible items. Collectible but, uh, items. No, I respect that. I'll I'll say know, collectible items. Yeah, some collectible items, and uh, you know, man, I just I'm a big collector at at heart. I got a lot of baseball, basketball cards, and these little figures. I don't know. It, it just uh. Man, it's inspiring. It makes me feel comfortable. Yeah. It's it's fun, and and I think it's uh, gives some something for people to look at. Uh, if they get bored talking to me, they could just zone <laughs> out and try to see. Oh, what can I recognize? Back there? <laughs> oh, oh, damn! Yeah, what you said was cool, but like, damn, you have the Simpsons back there. Let's talk yes. about that. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Right. Are you in uh, Chicago right now? I am. I'm in Chicago. I'm in uh, an area called Humble Park, um, which is just kind of west of the you know the downtown the, the like big bit the, the magnificent mile things like that that is thought of but yeah i'm in a, a classic chicago neighborhood talking nice. to you right now nice yeah my my brother actually went to columbia college chicago so oh, i used to go there to, to pick him up from school drop him off at school so i spent a good amount of time there awesome great yeah i grew up in hyde park and then uh now I live in humble park if you're nice. familiar at all with the city. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. He misses it every day. 
Um, to kind of jump into things, you know, I, I want to talk about closed sessions. I want to talk about the blog era. We both almost started talking about that before the interview, which which <laughs> which means it's probably it's probably good to hit record and let the people hear it as well. But yeah. um, before we kind of jump into things, like, what do you think are three values that have gotten you to where you are today? Um, that's a really good question. I think that one of my man, it, there's so many. I'm trying to condense them into uh into three but the first value that that got that got me to where i am right now is to always kind of like my dad told me early on that you can get a really long way in life if you just say thank you because a Mm. a lot of people uh don't say thank you so when i first started interviewing um or when i got even before the blog air, quote unquote, I was a writer with this website called soundslam.com. And anytime I'll get an interview or even talk to like a publicist, whoever, as soon as it was done, had the follow-up email ready, the thank you ready. And uh, certain publicists would hit me back. Like you're the nicest person to work with. Like no (laughs) one even says, a lot of these people don't ever even say thank you. So the first one is just like being cool with people. Um, and and saying thank you. Another value I think was to really take care uh, and understand the care, understand like what what we're writing about. I think having a purpose with what what I was doing, um, from deciding what to cover on Ruby Hornet to my DJ sets to teaching. Uh, I'm really a firm believer in having a purpose with Mm -hmm. what you're doing. And I I tell my students on the first day of class, like every time, even when I was teaching um, fifth grade, I would tell the kids, like, as soon as you put your name on that piece of paper, your, your name is on there and it's going to be a reflection of you. So you're turning in like a math test or a reading, like comprehension story, whatever it is, you're putting your name on it big or small, like it's going to represent who you are. And I say that same thing to my college students today and the artists and everything with the closed sessions, you know, brand, we've always tried to uh, make it. So if someone saw our logo, whether it's a party and a flyer, a record, a record or a stream and any kind of content, they may not like it. We can't guarantee you're going to like something, but it was like, people will say, oh, that's crisp. That's, that's well done. These people care. So that's the second value, um, taking care of, of, and being purposeful in actions. Um, and the third, third one I think is the, the quote unquote, like golden rule, you know, treat people how you want to be treated. It kind of right. goes back into the, the saying, thank you, the, the follow, but I just think like being, being fair and understanding that, uh, there is a quote unquote music business, but I always knew that underneath it, it's uh, a community and run by yeah. real people. So mm-hmm. that's, I hope that made sense. Those are the three values I think, uh, you know, guide, guided me. No, I think, I think that's really important too. And I, I think, um, especially with say thank you and, and, and the golden rule, I think the, the music industry can seem a lot more cutthroat than it has to be. When at the end of the day, we're all people just trying to support the music that we like, right? So like, you know, saying thank you, that's something that I try to do as well. Treating people yeah. well, that's something I try to do as well, but I have seen the executive person that 
throw like throwing a stapler. I've heard that happen too many times. <laughs> like I don't like not even all at the same company. Like oh yeah, when I was younger, I got a stapler thrown at me, and those people are like remembered for the wrong reasons. You know what I mean? It's so crazy. I uh, I've been started watching Entourage again from the mm-hmm. beginning, and it's like I it took me back to that time period, and like so many people I knew wanted to be the Ari Gold yeah. character. And it's just like, that's not gonna, <laughs> doesn't, it's not gonna work. Like that's not, that's, that's not really how anyone you meet that's had a long career. There are a few people, like I know some of the music industry, like the OG people that are like that kind of had that cutthroat mentality and this, this where the stereotype comes from. But 90% of the people you're going to meet in this field, I do not act like that. Are not going to throw a stapler <laughs> at you. Like, right, you know. right, exactly. So, and and I would say the Ari Golds are you know doing well in spite of that, not because of that. Okay, yeah, for sure. Um, cool. Well, let's jump into it, man. I, you know, there's a lot of history that I want to kind of go through on the podcast here. Um, like I kind of said before, I had I had a blog that I tried to start and never really got too big, but the blog era kind of helped me think about what community was and what finding music that I really enjoyed was. Okay. So what what was it like to kind of start a label and write for a blog like in 2009? And a and a significant one, you know. It's, it's it wasn't like it wasn't like it just went in the water like you're still here today, you're on this podcast, you're still working right. with people. What was it like to have an origin back then, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, man, thinking thinking to back in in oh oh eight oh nine when we started um, Ruby Horn. I was already writing, so I had a, wrote for a website in my last year of college. This guy found me and was like, uh, "I'm starting a hip hop website. Uh, I found you. I was in the the I went, where I went to school. I was doing a lot of things, organizing a lot of stuff, and I was in the paper. And this guy read that. I was like, "I'm starting a website." Um, it's going to be all hip hop interviews. I want you to write for it. I was like, that sounds awesome. Didn't pay me anything, but it was like a way into the, to the door. That was 2004. Fast forward to 08, the blog era super starts to pop off. These guys in Chicago found me, had this blog. It had a website, uh, URL, Ruby Hornet, and wanted someone to to turn it into something i don't think they anticipated i would turn it into what it was but um and it felt great it felt great to shine a light on chicago hip-hop at the time um coming up here all you really heard about was how no one wants to work together a lot of the doors were closed you know uh glc named his album his mixtape welcome to haterville like that's how it was really (laughs) thought of and Mm -hmm. You know, I was from the South Side, so we thought that the only, like, real hip-hop scene was over here. And then people from the North Side might have thought, like, well, this is the real, this is the real hip-hop scene. And, like, it was kind of, it was very much like that. Um, And Ruby Hornet was a way for me to uh, meet a lot more people. And um, we always wanted to showcase the music we're writing about, the the Chicago hip-hop scene, from the inside looking out, not like, oh, we're the press and we're going to kind of come in and don't, and uh, just tell stories about this. It's like, no, we're, we're part of the people in it. I was a DJ. My partner at the time was a photographer. We worked with a lot of artists, knowledge from kids in the hall. Mm. He's a, a friend of mine and started writing for us or he would, I would DJ and host, he would host my parties. We did mixtapes together. So that period for me, it was like a DIY heaven. If you had the, the like, 
drive to do it. I woke up every day and could not believe that someone was paying me a, a real salary to just like be, uh, be me. I was going to be DJing right. no matter what. I was going to be writing about music no matter what. Um, but to have support in the platform and ultimately the artists that were around at that time that took part in everything and believed in everything. I mean, we had a great, it was like a great, uh, great world, a great environment. And it, it just felt, it didn't really, I didn't ever think like, I never, I never really stopped to think deeper than that. It was more just like, I get to be a part of this. I get to elevate these artists. I get to put, you know, when SK added Ruby Hornet to his, his uh, blog role, it was like, damn, we made it. And when he started to pick up some of our video, I remember the first thing he posted on Not Right was a series we did, Freestyle in the Park. And he mm -hmm. posted a Mickey Halstead one. And that was when it was like, oh, shit, you know, this could actually go further. And I remember I did an interview the other time. I interviewed CeeLo. Uh, he was in town. I interviewed CeeLo. And then afterwards, I think the next day, there was a streetwear store here called St. Alfred's was celebrating their third year anniversary with a party. So interview CeeLo, we rushed home, put it out that night, go to a bar and this dude, Hollywood Holt, who is a, a just a mainstay of our scene, sees me at, at this party. He's like, saw your interview with CeeLo, man. That shit was fresh. <laughs> it's just like, that's when I'm like, okay, go, go. So I want to explain that concept to people of a blog role and what it meant to be on a blog role, because that was one of my favorite parts about that era is that a lot of bloggers did take content from other websites, but they always they always showed respect to the people they got it from. So, you know, when SK from Not Right added you to his blog role, that's sort of like, you know, I'm a source. I'm an official source for this really big writer. And this really big blog, you know, because people do say I, I remember the on smash when it said source at the top of every single post and it went to several different blogs. There was almost like two communities at work. One was the, the people that read the blogs and the bloggers themselves. And none of it felt like competitive to the point of aggression, you right. know, yeah. um, which I thought is, is, is something that I sort of miss today because. And I had this question later in the interview, but actually, you know, maybe we can get into it right now. But like these, um, the writers back then for for blogs were curators, but the relationship that they had with their audience was it seemed personal. Like it seemed like we all were waiting for our favorite writers to post new stuff, and they had these big brands and, and these big personalities themselves. You know, yeah. Um, who do you think? Who do you think is kind of running those communities? now and what do you think those communities are you know mm. Mm, that's a deep question um i think you hit it on the head and you said something interesting um when you did talk about the two audiences for the blogs or the two communities and and i definitely with ruby hornet i was writing for the audience who might discover music and the people that i could see in real life because we had monthly parties and they'd be like coming out so we could see them but Definitely our content, the original content too, or when like someone like Vic Mensa would call me back, I got a new song, put it out. The writing in that was like, I want Shake to see this and fuck with it. I mm -hmm. want like getting your like props, RTC, props, Ruby Hornet on the music, 
that solid that solidifier like when we would do a video piece and are those closed session documentaries which started as just a blog thing would circle the internet um it was like yeah this is our peer community that is supporting us and we would do the same thing too it was like if you if i found something on two dope boys and tried to play it off like i found it myself <laughs> to me that was like equivalent to biting someone's right. or like just a violation of what there's just something whack to do now. And, and why um, the blog era was so dope was that it existed online. So you had a network where the press, the, the, the uh, amplifiers were all in tune with each other. So something yeah. going on now, right. I might check it out and hit play. And this could be like some, he posted a lot of like grimy East coast stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, or two dope boys and had a lot of West coast things. And I might see something. I remember the uh, rapper scene S E N E and he had a, did a mixtape with blue that I still love to this day, a day late and a dollar short discovered mm. that somehow, or these artists would have a direct line email, but you know, I don't think you'd have this, uh, effect where an artist could put something out on a blog or I could put something out on Ruby Hornet and I'd be a de facto publicist for like the first publicist for a chance, the rapper where, Chance gives me a song and I'm like, all right, man, here's the plan. I'm email it to this, this, and this. Right. Right. And now it's like you have this community spreading and artists were able to, I don't want to say blow up, but definitely increase their relationships, increase their reach new fans. And then a lot of these websites, um, like we did in Chicago had their own social scene, had their own party, had their own relationship. So right. when an artist, why close sessions worked is because, and Action Bronson has never been to Chicago before. He could do his first thing as a concert at a sub T and have a hard ticket sale. And then they got that data and it has to like sell out. Or he comes to this blog party that he's rapping next to me in, a DJ, in the DJ booth. It's going to be 100, 150 max people crammed in a room, but it's all the right people. And I take him around, gets relationships. Who's doing that now? Man, it's 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 interesting because I don't I don't I think the market is open to take that place. I feel like the discovery is more or less happening via streaming services and playlists. Right. But there's not that commute like the the community aspect of it isn't really there anymore. And you're dealing I think less with individual writers that happen to develop a following and now have this platform versus fit. I don't want to say faceless because I do know have friends that work at these streaming services. So it's real people there, but mm. there's definitely not like a centralized space um, or doesn't seem like as much rhyme or reason. I don't know if I'm answering your question as concisely as I'd like to. No, it's, it's all good, man. I, I think, you know, I think part of me answering that question was it was like a curveball because <laughs> I, I, I'm also wondering, too. You know what I mean? Like, um, I, I do think like there's a partially the people that are curating these communities are the artists themselves for their own communities. But that feels like incredibly different than feeling like you got a bunch of people. Oh, which which blogs do you read every day? Oh, I'll read two dope boys. Which ones do you read every day? Oh, I'll read ill roots. It was almost right. like you were moving with a, a group of people discovering things all at the same time, as opposed to like now everybody's a part of like eight to 10 communities. Yeah. And so, I think one thing I love, I think 
I'm seeing at least in like a lot of people my age um, forming these things on Twitter. Like I definitely think there's a resurgence of this like rap underground Twitter and people are having those discussions. I mean, you're seeing the newsletter is kind of starting to remind me right. of blogs. We have these writers that have newsletters and they just do whatever they want. And that's what I think blogs at the end of the day really were great at because they're what, they weren't Rolling Stone. It wasn't Billboard. It was people that I could make any, if I like something on Ruby Hornet, I could do whatever I want. There was no, we got to hit this amount of clicks. We got to like satisfy this advertiser or not even pay a staff. It's like, I'm going to write up whatever I want. Um, and I think there was also like a trust in you as a, hmm. as a brand to provide that for people. So I've seen that with like record labels, for example, like when TDE has a new signing, everyone's like, who's the newest artist on TDE? Right. Because, because we all know that everybody else on TDE is, is, is fire. Right. So it's not necessarily like a, a, a blog, but it can come in the form of different things like, you know, labels, clicks like if somebody were to you know join odd future or something like that we know about it it might it might be in that respect and not necessarily um like a blog or a website but i asked all this to ask i do think that the way that people coalesce around artists in the blog era also define the type of fans that you got in a different way so like when i listen to kid cuddy who i discovered in in 2009 when I listen to Logic, who I discovered in 2010, when I listen to Wiz Khalifa, mm-hmm. it feels it feels almost like, in some respects, a sense of nostalgia, even when I listen to their new shit, or like a right. homecoming, even when I listen to their new shit. Right. How do you think artists today can somehow, and this is like a really big question, obviously, that whoever can answer this it's going to make a lot of money one day, but it's just kind of like you're, you're, and you may do it right now with closed sessions, which is what I want to get to after this too, because I know you're about building community around artists still to this day. How do you think that you do that in 2021 from the things that you've learned in 2009? You know what I mean? How do you tell an artist right now, you know, you have to build community. You have to have people coalesce around you and, you know, ideally in a way that's as sticky as that block era in 2009 because that was sticky i remember when like one song was on several blogs right. i was like oh shit they made it like people would freak out it was you like oh man it out. got picked up by like so many so many different blogs or when they had that exclusive word in front yeah. of the song and you were like oh shit they got the exclusive yeah. <laughs> like you know what i mean how do you how do you replicate that excitement today it's almost like you kind of have to invent it for your community but how do you what what what, what would be your advice to to kind of do that in 2021 yeah. it's crazy because i could just spend the rest of this interview talking about <laughs> brackets exclusive and literally refreshing a blog <laughs> like i would just be refreshing like what's yeah. up they're like my hands shaking as i'm like oh shit i got the exclusive blah 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 <laughs> like, this is gonna right. be crazy and then you hit publish and wait and then it's, I just would refresh, not write. Like, all right, I know it's coming up soon. I know they're, right. you know, oh, here it is. Ruby Hornet with the exclusive. But um, right, right. how do artists develop, kind of grow their community these days? Um, again, man, it's like I tell the new artists that we work with, a lot of them are starting out at ground zero. I think those that's the, every artist that's really come through CS is, is mm. starting at ground zero. So I'm really big on, think uh you know think global act local mm. uh, i think 
unless you are just, I mean, there's one strategy of the viral TikTok thing, which I don't, I don't have any artists where that's the thing we really discuss. I'm, I'm going to be honest, like that's not kind of my style. So we're not trying to, to, to do that. I, if it happened, that's great. But I do think there's a model of probably how you could market and blow up through TikTok and social media and all that. Where the artists I'm working with, their objective is to have, um, you know, longer careers. They want mm. to move a certain way, create a certain style of, of music and engage their fans. So I, I really encourage the act, uh, think global, act local. Who are the people first off in Chicago that we need to know and invest mm. in? How can we find mm. other people that will amplify those voices? So I'm looking at, like, we have a local coffee shop here, a brand called Dark Matter that has several stores in Chicago. They do a big block party every summer. They do um, coffee brand, coffee collaborations with artists. So that's a great place to start. Let's see, can we get, like, mm. a Dark Matter coffee? And now connecting with those people. Who are the key, uh, the key writers that still do write that might... Mm match your who who do you want to be listening where do those people what do they read oh they read the chicago reader let's try to do something um there mm-hmm. so that's the, the first i like to think of it and i i use the term taste cultures so organizing your your listeners or the people you you think the people you want to to be in tune with you instead of categorizing them by demographics race, ethnicity, religion, income level, right. um, all the other, you know, what census data. I look at it like, all right, what are their tastes? So let's organize around what they do. If you want to hit someone like, like you are making super limited edition vinyl, you, you probably want to hit someone like me that has fucking shelves of toys and a big like Cypress Hill 3D skull. You mean shelves of collectibles. Yeah, shells, <laughs> shells, shells of collectible. What do you call it? Taste marketing? I like that a lot. Taste culture. Taste so culture. Organize your audience. So yeah, you look, one of the best things is you look at like the Juggalos. Mm. Uh, there's a document, there's several documentaries, but there's some good documentaries about their gathering of the Juggalos. And it's not just that they like insane clown posse, but they drink like Fago soda or they like other certain kind of brands and then it interviews all the people of why they're at this thing what is it about insane clown posse all the people interviewed in this documentary are just like i've been counted out all my life insane clown posse speaks to that these are all we're all misfits and we come together at this festival every year um so that's where i would encourage artists to start and you can start with yourself what community do you already belong to Mm. You know, uh, we had an artist who was naturally a tremendous skateboarder. So it's like, all right, dude, what you skate, authentic, you authentically skate, you're a great skater, you make music. What are the things like, where do you like to skate? What kind of brands, like, what is the, the like board you use or the, the, um, Man, I'm gonna. I'm not even gonna say because I don't know anything about skateboarding. <laughs> this artist, but there were technical issues. But like, what, what, like, what do you like to do? You watch The Office. Great. Your music has inside jokes from The Office. So let maybe mm-hmm. target people that like that kind of humor. So that's how I would start. Um, so, and then the other thing too, just like I, I do a do a dive of every artist I work with. I look at their Twitter, not not necessarily for 
I'm going to start tweeting for them, but it's more like, who do you follow? Who should we follow that might actually like you that could help open the next door and, and really mm-hmm. treat it like a video game, you know, mm-hmm. where if I'm Mario, how do I get like each level at a time? And I could go deeper into it from there. But um, to start, it's just like, what communities are you already in? What communities are present in the art that you're making? Mm. And that's where you could start. And it could be lo- like locally, I would encourage 100% local, s- start local. Yeah, no, I, um, I'm i glad you said that. We, uh, we had people speak. I went to NYU, the music business program. So we had people come and speak like, you know, once a week, once every other week. And one thing that someone said, that stuck with me. Uh, they were a songwriter, worked with like all these big names and stuff. And obviously everyone back then were like teenagers. We're like, how do you blow up? Like, how do you, how do you get famous? <laughs> like, just like, you know, wide eyed teenagers. And I, I still remember it to this day. He said, you got to make sure you're popping in your neighborhood before you go, before you start popping globally. <laughs> like you yeah. got like literally go outside. You live in New York city. Like, are there any venues right? Like with, within walking distance of where we are right now that you could like literally perform. Are there any artists literally in this, there's probably artists in this neighborhood you could collaborate with. Right. You know what I mean? So um, just kind of made me think of that. Um, Speaking of the community, like I do think that Chicago has a special place in the blog era and today. What do you think kind of makes the music community there so special? And, and, and um, how did you kind of, how did you kind of, you know, use that to, to kind of get closed sessions off of his feet? Um, I think the music, I think there's a few things that make the music community here special. One is I, I think there's a shared chip on our shoulder because we're not New York or mm-hmm. LA or even Atlanta, I guess, as time has moved on. But I think we, we all feel that we're just, we have just as much of a vibrant scene um, here, but I, I definitely think there's something about growing up in Chicago. Maybe it's the the winter, maybe it's the toughness of the city itself, mm. but there's a shared like chip on a shared connectivity through, um, maybe a collective chip on the shoulder and a blue collar approach to just work. And like, I think we mm-hmm. have a, we're very hard on each other. Um, as far as like, making sure quality level is up to up to snuff. So I think that's one. It's just like the the natural environment breeds a certain amount of toughness if you want to keep going and like makes you right. be good. Um another great part of the community where the uh you know we have this chip on our shoulder at the same time I think there's a uh in uh a protective layer against those outside influences where mm-hmm. Chicago is able to like people are able to create maybe not thinking about um being distracted by like the busyness of New York the LA like Hollywood mm-hmm. stuff like so we're able to just sit and, and and work um and I think yeah I think those are some of the the two things just as I grew up here and my experiences of what and working with so many artists it's like uh those two things really, really help. And then there's just, I mean, it's such a, such a storied place. I mean, I think you can walk around and be, be inspired anywhere. Um, right. I think that's, that's kind of what, what it is. And, um, 
I've entered some of the artists like Juice are common when I would talk to them about Chicago. There's also a like Chicago is a place that it's like cool to be smart. And I think, mm-hmm. and you, you'll see a lot of intelligence in all the music because you have to keep your head on a swivel. Like you, like in anything you're doing here. Now I'm not saying from like a crime standpoint, I just mean like it's a big city. Like you just are aware. And I think that awareness, that um, cleverness, the wittiness comes through. And that's just part of like every city has their own, idioms and their own like style i think like the wit the cleverness is a chicago a chicago thing that's tight um in an interview with dj booth uh Mm -hmm. from a couple years ago you said new artists seem to come out during the blog era like every 20 minutes um your alumni includes like a whole lot of heavyweights like both past and present like action bronson freddie gibbs raekwon and your current artist your current artists are dope too jamila woods like she came out one of my favorite projects you know so like How do you, how did you go about choosing artists back then? How did you, how do you kind of choose them today? And how did that change over time, given the different landscape of just the music industry? Yeah, that's a good, that's a good, that's a good question. Back then when we worked with Gibbs and Bronson, um, Raekwon, you know, that was when we were doing, before we were like, okay, this will be a, a full on label. We are doing the, this, we had, I did a party. So they'd come to the party. We'd shoot a documentary. We do a song. Those bookings were just like, damn, this, this, this person is so raw. We need them <laughs> at the party. It was partly bragging and like being first that blogger era, like we're going to bring such and such for their first show. And everyone will know that we did it. That's just young hubris. But mm-hmm. I think that's part of like wanting to just be competitive in, in hip hop and wanting to be dope and like, nah, right. It's definitely going to mess with this one. So right, that was right. part of it. It was just a gut instinct. Uh, I saw the brunch video with Bronson, my friend Alexander Richter directed that video and sent it to me. And I remember sending my, sending it to my partner and like, this should be the next digital freshness. Mm-hmm. And he was, it was just like an undeniable. So that was one. And then constructing the the roster further, Jamila Woods, um, Kwaku, et cetera. Same. I think this, the same gut instinct of this, this is really great. These artists have, um, a message that I think I, I would, again, going back to what I first said, be proud to work with and put my name on it. Mm-hmm. And someone called me out like such and such said this and your record label put this out and how, you know, you stand behind all this. I'd be like, yes, a hundred percent. That was one. Um, and just the gut of, of, uh, we always want our, we always want close sessions in our roster to be undeniable. That's kind of what rings mm-hmm. through my head. Like, is this undeniable? As things changed and we started to see success um, and then started to see revenues from the success and then started to see new distribution deal offerings from the success, I think that changed a little bit. And that was when, uh, just being candid with you know your audience, mm-hmm. I started to lose some of the just gut and blocking everything out. And it's like, do I really like this? And would I want to go to bed? It's like, really, can I go to the mattress for these people? That's another part of it. Like, can I, uh, many of the artists on our label, we do tours with, we're in the studio with. Um, so it's like, can I hang with you? Um, and then when that, that kind of hit an era where it was like, we, I felt like we always had to keep up. So we always have to be 
adding new artists. We always have to be putting out new things. And that's right. where I think it got away from me. Um, where I was like, we were setting our own pace and our pace just happened to be re- recognized and it worked. And then we kind of got lost in the like, let's be the biggest label in the world. And let, you know, that kind of fucked with me, to be honest. I don't mm-hmm. really talk about that, but that, that's just where it went. And then I had to, we centered ourselves and just went back to like, nah, you know, we'll put out three things a year. It doesn't matter as long as everything is like our best quality work. And that has led to way better, you know, better music, mm. much more happiness and more success again as well. Um, yeah. I mean, it kind of goes back to looking to writers, looking to certain labels, looking to certain groups to just deliver quality every time. Mm-hmm. You know, I do think it's like super easy to get wrapped up in what you were kind of saying. I think I think that's like the classic tale of of a, of a lot of companies, you know, but um and not to not to diss those companies either because a lot of them do it super well but i do think you know when i think of closed sessions um because i've obviously been aware of you guys for a long time i do think of i do i do think it's anonymous with just like quality you know what i mean niche ground up quality if if i had to like put it into a few words you know what i mean so getting back to that and sticking to that is is super dope um so we talked a little bit earlier about um, the communities that coalesce around these artists and how they're different now than what they used to be. Do you think that has changed what the art looks like itself? So like, I remember seeing overly dedicated Kendrick's mixtape on two dope boys and being like, yo, what the fuck is this? And I also remember when he was on stage with um was it like snoop dogg and snoop dogg right. was like bro we're giving you the torch now i i do feel right. like the community that had coalesced around him at that point was also like uh, people that were reading blogs <laughs> and people that felt like yo we just we we followed him from you know the blog days to snoop dogg saying we're giving you the torch yeah do you think that the way that artists grow now, the way that artists build communities now um, would change like the way someone would approach their music in general? Or do you think those are kind of like two separate things? Because I do feel like blogs felt like the cool kids, right? So like people were writing music for the cool kids is what it felt like too. You know what I mean? Like when I first heard Chance, when I first heard Vic Mensa, like those guys, they were making music for their audience, but they that you can't say that they weren't trying to be on those blogs and those blogs and those blogs didn't have some sort of significance to them. You know what I mean? So like now I don't think it's as fresh into people's in people's minds when they make music, when they release music, do you think that has changed the art itself or, or not necessarily? I think, I mean, I I definitely think it, it it will. I mean, they've already been studies about how the length of songs are getting shorter. I wonder Mm -hmm. how it's going to be with the, the, you know, the TikTok and streaming and right. all that works. Um, I think it's it's interesting now. Back in the day, even with blogs, there was a conscious decision. So if you started clicking mm-hmm. on Kendrick Lamar, like you definitely knew who Kendrick Lamar was. Now you could passively hear a song in a Spotify, and and I talk to my students about this. They're more invested in the song, whereas I think during the blog era, it was like. I'm investing in Kendrick Lamar. I'm investing mm-hmm. in Freddie Gibbs. I'm in inve- because right. I'm invested in Fakes for Drive and Ruby Hornet and Two Dope Boys. And like, again, I think the blogs were the next continuation of Stretch and Bobito 
and the Wake Up Show on the West Coast, yeah. WHPK in Chicago, where there were these independent um, outlets run by, you know, Stretch and Bobito. Again, not some corporate thing. These were, to, and if I don't know if you've seen their documentary, um, great. Anyone watching this should watch that mm-hmm. documentary, Radio That Changed Live. But the artists themselves were like, I don't, it, it means something if I get invited to, to spit on Stretch and Bobito. Those artists also, many of them, the Chances, the Vicks, uh, people you name, when they did get on Ruby Horner or Fake Shore Drive, it meant something. Or you yeah, can go back to Twitter. Fake Drive, like, man, I used to check that every day. Go back to <laughs> go back to Twitter from or Google. Like I'll do this sometimes. Uh, Chance, blah blah, like Ruby Hornet or Chance RTC or whatever artist. So many of them like I can't believe I'm on such and such blog. I can't <laughs> believe I'm on such and such blog. Seriously, right. because it was that kind of um, continuation. And now I don't know, like an artist waking up and being like, I want to be on such and such TikTok. I want to be in the Mellow Bars playlist. Those are good goals, but how do you how do you really like if you start making music for those purposes, I think it's different. It is a to me again, a different approach to like, I want to be so good at my craft stretching Bobby to invite me to freestyle right, right. station where all these other past people came and blew up. It's just, there's just not like, again, I think you hit, I mean, that whole, the blog era, it wasn't just, it it was just about like this connected centralized community and it presented um, something that artists could, could really game plan for and move up. You start with your, if you're from Chicago, it was like step one, get on Ruby Hornet and fake short drop mm-hmm. step, step two, get on like a two dope boys. Step three, uh, hit at, you know, not right. And I could name I can name so many. And for the first few years, even of closed sessions, like that's how we staggered it. And mm-hmm. it was like, instead of the premiere out the gate with fader, we would tell artists like, no, 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 let's just, uh, premiere on, Fakes for Drive, that's a local thing. Yeah. And it gives us steps to go. And then we're going to, after this, we get that. And they're talking about it. We'll go to this one, this one, this one. And then when you get that complex feature, we would see that we have all these fans of the smaller blogs that are like, yes, we've been talking about this <laughs> artist for you for like so long. Right, right. Complex is fucking with it. Same with what you're talking about, the, when the game and Snoop uh, – Get, you know, crowned Kendrick Lamar. Yeah, there yeah. were all these people that were like, "Yes, we've been saying that for a long right. time." I don't know if that is what happens today because mm-hmm. the minor league system of the blogs is not really there anymore. Did that migrate somewhere else, or is maybe in the process of migrating? But, but I don't know if we're ever going to see an artist. Um, that the whole world knows the way that they did of previous previous eras where no matter how old you are, you know who this artist is, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. where there's like artists that are huge, millions and millions and millions of streams, but are not household names. And that's what is really interesting because yeah. <laughs> previous eras, you could not be on every radio station and 
than in every blog and have these crazy songs, but then no one, like a broader, like so many people don't really know who you are. They might know that song. So I think it, it's, it's changing for sure. And um, the last thing too, the blogs were a great uh, filter yeah. for what you want. Now as an, as an audience member, and I'm just me as a fan, I want to go listen to something. I put open up Apple Music or Spotify and the choices are overwhelming. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times I just end up, uh, what am I looking for? Oh, I'll just go listen to the new Evidence album again because <laughs> I really like Evidence and I know I'm going to like this album. Yeah, so yeah. I'm just going to like the, the, the things I know, even though the discovery's never been wider, but it's just like there's, there's too much music. The supply, <laughs> the supply has outpaced the demand at this point. And I have views on that as well. I don't even know if it benefits artists to put their very first things on Spotify and then just collect 20 things, 20 releases on Spotify that have no plays. It definitely doesn't help them algorithmically. So I don't know. That's a whole odd, that would be a whole other can of worms. But to your right. point, you know, that whole thing, that's why I get with the community. It's just like, start Start locally. You got a favorite coffee shop that you go to every day and write your songs at? Tell them that shit. Get a coffee going with them or design a sandwich. Uh, if there's streetwear stores that you go to, we're blessed in Chicago to have several really great ones. Do do something with the street local streetwear store. You went to you go to Columbia College, boom, let's like that's where right. I would look at. Um, unless I should have said this in the values piece. I don't know why I didn't think of it, but I mean, I put you on the spot, so. (laughs) One of of my biggest things too, and I've learned the hard way. I don't always, I didn't always follow this. And and so I I, I have like learned, I knew of it. And and it's it's a reminder every day because we can get, we can get lost in the sauce sometimes. But the same people you say, you see on the way up, you're going to see on the way back down. And Mm -hmm. that's what's going to determine when everyone has a, low point in their career all careers kind of go up and down yeah if you treat people well when you're in a down spot there will be people there to help push you back up but we've also seen a ton of artists or professionals that everyone who knows them has the same story of like this person is a jerk and when they start to go down there are a lot of people that are like move out of the way you know so that's where you want your community to be ultimately uh, every artist peaks, well, not every, I mean, majority outside of superstars, but majority of artists, like look at a lot from the blog era themselves, they peak and then the like hype train kind of goes away. And what are you left with? You're really left with the, the people that invested in your music, like your music, are your real fans, not just like because they like popular music. Um, and that's what's going to roll with you the rest of the way. And the artists that take great care of that um, have success even after taking time off or are able to, I mean, there are artists that have been going 20, 30 years now, never been household names or anything, but they have a real community fans. When they go to different cities, they, they it's not like that they really know people. So yeah, that's, that I think is changing. I think the music, um, is music's a reflection of society. So as society changes, I don't think there's a way the music would not change. Right. 
You're right. You're right. Well, I think that's a great place to end it, man. This has been like a super great conversation. I'm, I'm, to be honest, I wish I had more people just to talk about that era with because uh, it was super important in my life. Like, like when Mac Miller passed away, for example, like, bro, I like I like cried because because of the blog era and how close I felt to him. You know what I mean? Like um, and and that replication of community is, you know, what we're trying to do with the podcast while we have the discord and everything. And a, a lot of the the tenants that we we pull from come from feeling like logging on to closed sessions, rubyhornet.net, you know, ill roots, not right. You know what I mean? So um, definitely, definitely glad to get you on. Been a, been a huge fan of closed sessions for a long time. So. Oh man, it's, it's an honor to come on. I'm a fan of what you guys do. I think more, I think the music business is something that it's real easy to tweet about. It's real easy to talk about. And, and from a distance, there are a lot of experts, but you, your podcast, you know, is educating people for real. And I think if we want the music business to be better, if we want the music business to be a sustainable so that f- folks like us can have jobs and do, you know, participate, it has to be taken care of. And, yeah, you know, your podcast resources like your podcast. Um, and that's how I approach my teaching where I'm, teaching people I'm going to work with one day and yeah. I want this thing to be taken care of. And I want, yeah. like, you know, I just want things to be done, done well. And um, I think we, we're in, we're in an important place where uh, these, you know, nothing is guaranteed. And if we want, you know, talking about the blog era, it eventually fizzled out because of streaming and stuff, but also the people running blogs, like, I don't, I can't do this anymore. And so it went away. Um, and if, and, and like, if we want to maintain and make a better, more equitable music business, we have to respect, respect it and respect the participants. Mm. And you guys are a part, big part of that. And that's why I'm honored, um, to be part of the podcast and bullied you guys for so long to get on. Uh, nah, bro. Look, you sent, you sent us, you sent us that, um, that tweet. And I was like, bro, Sam. And I like said to him, I was like, I'm a big fan. I'm a huge fan of closed sessions, bro. And he was like, let's do it. <laughs> it wasn't even, it wasn't even a question. We just, we just were traveling on opposite weeks. So it, yeah. uh, but yeah, oh, man. That was, if I could just say one last thing, you asked me like what it felt like in 08 or 09. And it just felt like yeah. being a kid in a candy store. Yeah. And, um, the wild, wild west. But it also felt like in our small piece of the world, we could have some power and some control yeah. and, and like, regardless of what was happening in the mainstream or this bigger industry crumbling around us, it's like, let's just show them how dope Chicago is. And, um, being able to, to do that, uh, was man, such a great, great time. Someone asked me like, why did you start doing those things? And it's just like, we're doing that anyway. Like we're at, you know, that's just what, what do people in there like that love music or love hip hop do in their early mid twenties? Like, that's what we were going to be <laughs> right. So then we found right. a way to make money with it. Amazing. I could right. eat ramen all day. It really did not matter. So, right. I still yeah. think that also ties to today. A lot of A&Rs are like, you know, 19, 20, 21. Because mm-hmm. it's the same mindset, just a different vessel. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, well, cool, Alex. Appreciate you so much, man. You have a good rest of your day. Thanks. Take care.
Yo, that episode was great, man. Um, I was really excited to start it kind of like I said in the intro because the blog era is just such a potent time in my life. I was just super excited to talk about it with somebody that was there, lived it, breathed it, worked with the artists that I was a fan of back then and still am a fan of today, worked with the blogs that I checked back then. I mean, like going into Two Dope Boys, Nah Right, you know, hearing these names come back again, um, at least in my life, in, in the way that they did during the episode was was a really great moment for me and if you weren't a part of that era or or or, you know didn't didn't find music through blogs i hope you i hope you enjoyed it um one of the the cool things about that episode i thought was when he started talking about taste culture so not separating people by demographics necessarily but separating them by their taste you know what 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 does your fan like? What do they listen to? And another thing that I liked was uh, basing who you are as a brand based off the stuff that you're already into and getting into those communities. So he was using the collectibles. You know, does he like, if you like collectibles and you make music and you bring up some of those references in your music, how can you get deeper into that community? He said he works with an artist who's, in the, who's into the office, who brings up office references during his, during his songs. How do you get deeper into that community? So still keeping, still keeping the essence of blog culture, which is just getting deeper into communities that you represent. But in 2021, I thought all of it was super interesting. So as always, please leave a review. Um, Check us out on Instagram at Music Business Podcast. We have a new campaign with a bunch of new posts and things that our social media person is going crazy right now. So it's, it's been super engaging and we really appreciate um, the amount of followers that we've been able to get recently, the amount of engagement we've been able to get recently, and, and we're just looking forward to to building this community. And if you want to, if you want to double down, we do have a Patreon. If you go to patreoncom podcast, you can join a Discord where you can talk to me, Sam, and other people in the community. We also have a VIP chat that's a part of the Patreon where every month we discuss topics together over Zoom. So again, we care about community. I miss the blog era trying to bring some of that to 2021. So. Have a good one, everybody. See you next week.